Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Violin Geek Podcast. I'm Laurel Thompson. And guess what? We have another interview today, this time with Lauren Ryu. She's a rising fiddle star and a very passionate private lessons instructor, as well as a workshop leader. Chatting with Lauren a couple weeks ago was absolutely a delight, and she has some really great ideas, particularly for bridging that gap between classical pedagogy and kind of the modern fiddle or violin student who wants to play those classics, but also who wants to explore and be able to fit into a wide variety of situations with their instrument. Lauren and I covered a wide range of topics, but ultimately the center point, for me anyway, seemed to be this idea of the modern string student and how as teachers we can help usher those students into a place where they want to play their instrument for the rest of their lives in a variety of situations and know that there really are no boundaries. The violin doesn't need to be kind of off on its own in a corner playing just one genre of music. The violin can be a solo instrument, it can be a backup instrument, it can play acoustic music, but it can also fit into pop music or rap music or, or wherever kind of your, your passion lies. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did and that you'll check out Lauren on her website, which is laurenryu.com. Ryu is R-I-O-U-X. But for now, please enjoy the interview. Hey, Lauren, welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. Hi, Laura. So how's it going today? Are you in Maine? I am. I'm actually at my home, which is so nice. It's really kind of unheard of for me to be home <laughs> on a weekend, so... I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. So you've been you've been touring some this year. I have been touring an awful lot this year, which has been um, really lovely. I've, I feel incredibly fortunate to go see all the cool places that I've been and meet all the wonderful people and visit with friends that I've made over the years. So nice. uh, it's been a good year. Awesome. So um, so where did you go? What were some of the highlights? Oh wow. Well, we did a lot of um, New England and California touring, West Coast touring, um, which those are kind of home-based situations, and so I, I really love love that because going to familiar venues is really, really, really nice. Um, Definitely. But some new places that we went to that were really cool um, for me, I, I went to Alaska for the first time in June. Awesome. And yeah, it was a great time of year to visit because it was the solstice and the sun doesn't go down. And <laughs> Forever. So that was, right, that was a completely new experience for me. That's and, crazy. Um, the people there in the bluegrass scene is wonderful really? in Alaska. Huh. Yeah, it's That's cool. very, very live and vibrant. And um, the other really amazing place I got to go to for a little over two weeks is Sweden this summer. Yay. And Sweden is a fantastic country, and I hope that I will get a chance to return one day. And um, it was uh, with Brittany Hawes, right? The two of you guys. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All of my touring this year has been as a duo with with Brittany, which has been um, a, a really fantastic experience um, as far as learning and um, having fun, you know, on the road with your best friend. And, totally. Uh, and it, it, we, we had a good year. Awesome. How did you guys yeah. hook up? Um, hook up for our project as a duo or? Well, or, or just in general. How did you meet? Well, we met at a fiddle camp years ago. Probably, I think we 
years ago. Okay. Um, and we were both going to field camp, but uh, a person who was really instrumental in putting us together in the same vicinity would uh, be Daryl Anger. Totally. He, we cool. could, he, was, he was a mentor to both of us, and um, we both played in his band. I, I took uh, Brittany's place in Republic of Strings when she went off to college, and um, we had met before then. But uh, And then we got to play in Republic a little bit together. Sometimes we overlapped, and we've done other projects with Daryl, too. But mostly from a fiddle camp situation is how we got to hang out. And then years later, Brittany produced my CD, which we made almost mm -hmm. two years ago. Um, so hmm. uh, this this project, the duo project, kind of stemmed from that, um, trying to figure out how to tour that material. Um, while both both of our main projects at the time were kind of coming, not necessarily to a close, but um, to a pause. Sure. Circuit still was taking a break, and uh, Republic of Strings was um, hibernating for a while. So we thought that it would be a good time to present that material. And um, it was quite an inter interesting challenge to figure out how to be a band as two fiddles. Yeah, and, totally. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, singing. Um, Brittany's a really fantastic banjo player. I'm an aspiring banjo player. Um, so we added those elements, the vocals and the banjo mm -hmm. playing into our show. Um, but I really, I, I learned a lot about space and being comfortable with space, but then also um, filling as much, as much sonic space as possible. So there right. were moments where it was like, okay, we need to enjoy the emptiness, or sure. all right, we're going to do everything to make it sound like there are five people on stage as opposed right. to two people. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so we had a we had a, a really great run, a really great year. We played fifty two shows in I think eight months and did about That's four shows. Yeah. And <laughs> all the while I all the while I was maintaining my private studio at home. So, so how were you able to do that? Did you teach them over Skype or um, just go home as much as possible and, and teach your students or <laughs> Yeah, uh, my my students are incredibly fantastic people. They're very <laughs> understanding, and they also know that they're my priority during the school year, and then during the summertime, my touring becomes my priority. Sure. Um, so um, I would tour. A lot of those gigs happened when we were on school vacation. Okay. Um, I would occasionally take a week off. Um, but I would get a sub for my studio. I see. Okay. Um, and uh, in the summertime, our lessons are so varied anyway. Whenever I was home, I would teach. And, um, yeah, so it kind of meant I didn't have many, very many days off. But that was okay because I was doing things that I loved. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And so now, actually, um, the Lauren and Brittany project is winding down. Um, we have a few more dates on the calendar, but um, we I we both want to start focusing on some other things. And one of the things that I'm going to be focusing on is my studio more because I really miss teaching and being yeah. home. Yeah, totally. And um, 
I feel incredibly fortunate for all of the audiences that came out to see our shows and the relationships that you make by building an audience. Um, the gift that an audience gives you, not only in paying the ticket price, but um, giving you their time. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that is really incredible. Um, so I, I very much appreciate that. Um, there's a difference, though, when you're building a relationship with a student who comes back week after week having worked on things that you both discussed would be helpful to them as a musician. And uh, to see that musician grow is really an incredible experience. So um, I want to kind of put that more on the focus for the next year and work on some projects that have been on the back burner because I've been <laughs> so busy touring and trying to maintain my studio as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the new stuff. Totally. I think a lot of times for musicians it can be almost a scary time when you're in transition and not and you're you're kind of winding down or ending right not quite sure yeah yeah not quite yeah, sure what's going to pick up next or if something's going to pick up next I've been in that place before for sure it's like totally. oh no I mean, <laughs> yeah I think it's, it's kind of an important place to be um for musicians because a lot of times I feel I feel like we're just constantly going <laughs> forward yeah. all the time and, and not necessarily taking the time to say, okay, what is it that I really want and what is it that totally. I want to practice? Where, where do I want to be as a musician? What do I want to contribute? Uh, what can I contribute realistically? And, right. Um, so, and just sort yeah, of, there's yeah. Of, there's not a lot of time to think about those things when you're constantly on the road and you're thinking about, okay, where are we driving? Where are we staying? Right. You know, how many how many pre-sales do we have? Can we get this number up? And and then, oh, by the way, my students are emailing me, can you help me with measure 176 of movement <laughs> two? Or, yeah, I mean, like, and so I'm looking at this yeah. text and thinking, okay, here's the fingering. Make sure you send this triplet this way. And, I mean, it's just kind of busy. It's just yeah. life. It's yeah. Yeah, how, yeah. How it happens. So to have this moment of reflection is really a wonderful thing. So I'm... I'm really very excited about all the things that I've wanted to do for a long time and kind of figuring out what is what is next. So awesome. it's good. Yeah, no, yeah. and, and that's the, the right attitude to have about it. Um, and yeah, I totally feel you. And the last year for me has been kind of one of these transition points where it's like, wow, you know, everything I've kind of done has been very organic. It's just sort of happened. And I've been sure I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, yeah, I'll go over there. I'll do this thing for you, you know? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> you know, I think at some point we sort of like realized, well, well, I have some ideas about what I want to do too. And like, how's that yeah. all going to fit in, you know, instead of just sort of the day to day, like, got to keep it going, got to keep it going, having that time to reflect and also reflect on where you've come from, um, you know, and, and like, wow, I did all that stuff. Like, you know, I've definitely had that experience of kind of getting, getting through stuff and then just I'm on to the next thing and, and don't really, can't really savor, you know, everything that's, that's happened and, and really enjoy exactly. that. So, so it's, that's really cool that you're taking this time and, and uh, it's exciting to see what, what you're going to come up with next. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. My wheels are definitely spinning. I've, I've, um, I've, as I mentioned or, or 
maybe it's obvious from just talking, I really, really love teaching. I It's what makes my life complete for me. And, That's awesome. And uh, I want to... I, People have been bugging me for a long time. I go, I teach at a lot of camps in the summertime, and people have always been wanting material from me, not mm. necessarily just a CD, you know, or uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they want a book or a DVD sure. or um, something educational. Yeah, yeah. something educational. And I'm, it's also very important for me to um, focus on pedagogy and helping other teachers learn how to teach in a more not necessarily modern way, but a more, um, I guess modern would be a good word, but just teaching for the present music student, somebody who wants more than just the classical pedagogy. Right. Wants that variety. And, yeah. Yeah. The variety helps pe- people stay attached to their instrument for Definitely. hopefully their life. Definitely. Um, and the classical world has such an amazing pedagogy. It has years it has hundreds of years of you should play this and then this is what you should play next (laughs) and you know there's a series of you play you go through these etudes and then you go through this repertoire and then you're on to this concerto and um it's not really like that in the folk world that hasn't been developed yet yeah and um i've been i've been working on developing a pedagogy and i think a lot of people there are a lot of methods out there and there's a fantastic thing about each of them. And I tend to be um, a bit of a, a borrower of sorts. I don't sure. necessarily like any one method. It's, and that goes the same with um, my classical teaching, too. I'm not strictly a Suzuki teacher or any any kind of method. I kind of use pick and choose whatever and... I like. Pick and choose what's yeah. best for that individual student at the moment. Awesome. Um, and so, just to, uh, just to give us like a little bit of overview, like, do you teach all ages? Do you? I mean, I'm assuming you have a classical background yourself. Yeah. You know that kind of that comes through in your playing. Um, but uh, I mean, are you teaching kind of? Do you have people who are like wanting to do just classical, and people who just want to do fiddle, or everyone's kind of doing? everything kind of just give us some overview of what and who you're teaching sure definitely yeah um well i did i did start off as a classical violinist i started off as a suzuki kid at age six actually cool and um i went through um i went through life being a classical musician um in high school i had i was in a band with the local the community college the local college scene um, and then in, when I went to college, I went to school for violin performance and music ed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started getting into uh, jazz. There was a really great jazz program at the, the university that, that I went to. I went to University of Southern Maine School of Music. Awesome. And, um, so were you like really, the only really violinist in the jazz class, or did they have, oh, I did they was, have other, I other strings? I <laughs> I got a, a few of my friends to uh, play in a jazz string quartet because, of course, I was a Turtle Island fan. You sure. Yeah. And so we we made a jazz string quartet, but nobody really knew what we were doing. And I actually, my best friend in college um, said, all right, I will play in this jazz string quartet with you if you will learn some Natalie McMaster tunes and start fiddling with me. <laughs> That's cool. So I was like, okay, it sounds like a good plan. This is like when we're sophomores in, in college and working sure. on 
you know, Brooke and, Brooke and Mendelssohn concerto. Yeah, and, uh-huh. <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, what is what, what else is there out there? Yep. Um, and so during my college career, so I started getting involved with MEMC and ASTA because I was a music ed major. Yep. And I went out to the first national ASTA convention, and that's where I heard Brittany playing with Bruce Malski in a stairwell, okay. and that completely changed my life. So wow. I'd never heard old-time music before. And um, it just kind of broke me open and healed me simultaneously. Uh-huh. I was just like, right, I need, I need to do this. And so that's when I started going to fiddle camp. And um, I, had, I was already teaching. I had already built a little bit of a studio. Mm-hmm. My, um, my college professor said that I needed to start teaching immediately so I would improve as a player myself. Definitely, and yeah. so I started um, my studio when I was, I think, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been teaching uh, since then. That was 1999. And um, my students started off primarily just a classical studio, but occasionally I'd throw them a fiddle tune because I was working on fiddle tune. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as the years went on and I met Daryl, and Daryl agreed to be my mentor, and I got more serious in, um, in fiddling. I started collecting more people who wanted to come study fiddling specifically from me, and I would maybe open the doors to the classical world and say, okay, yes, yeah, let's definitely work on fiddling, but let's also learn how to read music. Right. Or I would tell my classical students, okay, you're great readers, but we got to work on learning by ear, too. Yeah. And so I would say the majority of my studio does work on both. Uh, acoustic styles and classical styles, um, but I do have a few people who are coming to me specifically for one or the other, and they and everybody is exposed to both. But there are some people who are just like, you know, this is this is my thing. But for the majority, um, all of my students do both. I try to make sure that they keep as many doors open as possible to them. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's while important. They're, while they're young. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have um, age ranges of five to um, about sixty-five. I actually, my my seventy-year-old student just retired this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's a it's a great age range. Um, every hour, every forty-five minutes is completely different, which is really yep. cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. That this all sounds really similar to my experience. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I just. You can probably agree. I mean, just having in that age range. I mean, I've I've come across a lot of teachers that just kind of like to teach certain age ranges, and that's what they're comfortable oh. with. You know, oftentimes kids or um, yep. or teenagers or something like that, and maybe they're not as comfortable with adults, say, or or um, or vice versa. And um, yeah, for me, in my experience, it's just like each student that walks in the door. You know, there's like almost. Um, there's like a whole different way of relating to them, you know. It's Absolutely. like like adult speech versus you know when you're talking to a six year old, and um, and just kind of what their needs are and how to present the material. Sometimes the exact same stuff, you know, but um, but right. to different you know age ranges and backgrounds and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, it's it's cool to to talk about that. And um, I'm uh, every every student mm-hmm. has their own. Story and yeah. that is the incredible thing for me. And to figure out how to unlock the way for them to express themselves creatively through what I feel is the most beautiful instrument in the world mm-hmm. is an incredible.
incredible challenge and gift and um, a good responsibility too. So it's, it's just a really cool puzzle to figure out how to make it work for each of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so exciting. Do you have certain things, like do you have favorite things that you like to teach? Like either <laughs> techniques or, or styles or, you know, what kind of gets you really jazzed up? Um, the thing that gets me really jazzed up is making sure that all of my my students know how to hear and play chords and play backup. Cool. So um, how like how how might you just like like a really practical example of how you might introduce someone? Um, you know, say it's like a fiddle tune, and and you're gonna learn some sort of you know just simple, um, easy to access backup technique. How would you present that? Mm. Well, I would first talk about how we have three really important chords in westernized music, and that those would be the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord. And in any style of music, you will, any style of western music, you will find those three chords. Um, and maybe some variations on those, but if we can start to learn how to hear those chords first, that'll really help. And the, each chord um, has a function in in the harmonic structure. And the one chord lets us know that we are home. It tells us where we feel the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the five chord either asks a question at the end, at the halfway point of the tune, right? or it brings us home at the end. Five delivers us to one. And so in order to travel from one to five, we have another chord, which is our four chord. And so to be able to hear the function of each one of those chords is incredibly helpful. So on, as, in a practical way, I would show, we, we're working, remember in my studio, simultaneously we're working on classical and fiddle things at, at the same time. So mm-hmm. often <laughs> we've been working on um, scales or arpeggios. Uh-huh. And I, I actually don't think of those as a classical or a fiddle thing. I think those it's are just a musical thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> your foundation, you know, musical building yeah. blocks, right? <laughs> you absolutely need to do those things no matter what style music you're playing. Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> so my students um, are familiar with arpeggios and the, and the definition of an arpeggio, knowing that an arpeggio is the notes of a chord played one after another. Right. So they they have the notes of a, if I say, okay, we're in the key of D, and we need to build a D chord, and they're like, oh, a chord is the notes of the arpeggio. So mm-hmm. what are the notes in a D arpeggio? And they play a D arpeggio, and they say, okay, D, F sharp, A. Yep. And so the next step would be saying, okay, we need to pick two of those notes, and we're going to play two of those notes on the G and D string because we're not going to play all three at once right. because of our lovely arched bridge that we have on our fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we will get into playing three at once, but let's just stick with two <laughs> at the beginning. And so I said, okay, do you have a D, an F sharp, or an A on your G string? And then they'll say, yeah, I have a G on my D, on, excuse me, I have an A on my G right. string. And I also have a D on my D string. So if I put my first finger on my G string and keep my open on the D, mm-hmm. here's the D chord. And so we do that same thing with the four chord of the D, of the key of D, which would be G. Mm-hmm. And we go through that same process. And then the five chord, which is an A chord. And then we'll learn a couple tunes 
in the same key. We'll, we'd stay in, in D for a month, maybe even two months, and just learn a whole bunch of tunes in the key of D. So you start to hear chord progression. Usually by the second or third tune, kids start hearing, oh, this is the one chord, this is the four chord. I don't nice. even have to tell them what the chord progression is because nice. yeah. they're looking at my ear and they learn, oh, yeah, this is this is the spot where I would put a five chord or, oh, I'm on one and I have to move away. I'm probably going to go to four. Right. Um, it starts to become kind of intuitive it, and, and ingrained, you know, because there's that similar pattern. Right, exactly. And so once they start hearing those patterns and they feel comfortable with that, then we'll move to a different key that's um, either adding a sharp or taking away a sharp. So we'll move to the key of A and they'll realize that, oh, in the key of A, A is one and D is four, but I already know an A chord and I already know a D chord from the key of D. I'm just remembering that. Yeah. Um, and but I still hear the same, I know the chord progression. They could, I'll ask them to tell me what the chord progression is before they even play it. And oftentimes they'll get it right. And then it's the, the, the struggle is really renumbering those chords that they're so used to. Right. <laughs> no, now that's but a five chord. It's not a one chord anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, but for them to be able to hear that, I think is really, really important and allows, it, that is the key thing for me for being creative. I mean, once they can start being creative with their backup, just like, okay, now I know what the chord progression is, and let me learn a couple different voicings of the one chord. Like how, yeah. if I, I don't need to stick to this same voicing, I could play a D chord a ton of different ways just on my G and D string, or what if I do it on my D and A string, or yeah. how do I do it on my G and E? Um, and really learning your fingerboard that way allows you to be so creative. You know where you are all the time. Well, you're also, you know, kind of at the same time, you're teaching double stops in a way that's a lot more fun than, say, doing yeah. double stop scales or something like that, where, you know, it's like, gosh, I thought I was, I had great intonation, and now suddenly everything's gone out the window because everything feels so different, you know, with two fingers right. down. Or, so that, that's really cool. And um, I imagine, um, do you find that, that your students, after they've been doing the backup for a while, they start to just kind of get more creative in general, maybe with... Um, almost, you know, those moments in a piece where, where you might want to like throw in a little bit of a variation or, you know, improvise for a moment, um, yeah. you know, knowing kind of that deeper structure there um, feels like it, it just kind of opens the door for a lot of new possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it almost seems their ear is directing their hand as opposed to them being completely lost of like, oh, it's, I'm supposed to make something up now. It's just kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I know where I am. I know what it sounds, I know what sounds right. Yeah, I know yeah. what chord I'm on, and I know what, what I could do. And that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be happy with everything that comes out for the first time, <laughs> but it's not necessarily, you know, but it's not a, it's not a wrong thing. It's harmonically yeah. um, totally acceptable. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and then they'll, they start to like what they play more often. Once they dig more into style, you know, if, if they want to be a bluegrass player, really listening to bluegrass and transcribing a whole bunch of solos on the same tune. Just like, okay, we're working on Bill Cheatham, so let's get tons of people. And not just fiddle players. Let's get really great guitar solos. Let's get a mandolin solo mm -hmm. and see what, what's happening over the A part of Bill Cheatham. And so look at all the different things that you could do over the first phrase on Bill Cheatham 
and get those under your fingers. And then let's see what could happen on the second phrase. And after a while, once you really dig deep into a certain style and you know that harmony, you know the harmonic progression and the form of the tune, then you just start coming up with your own stuff, with your own language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's all awesome. And, and when I've taught that kind of stuff to my students, it's always been really fun. I think particularly because for me, I have so much fun playing with the students, doing duets. And, and it's like, yeah. you know, when, when we're able to, and for them, I mean, just like to back me up, like they, I don't know, they're like empowered in this certain yeah, way, you know, they're like, wow, you know, and we record it and they listen back. They're like, wow, that's me. You know, even if it's just like a really simple part, they're just like droning away on different double stops wow. you know so it's great it's pretty it's cool a really thing. and to show and so i we do the same kind of thing i'm totally fine with pop music mm -hmm. um because i want to i i really want my kids to know that whatever style of music they're listening to they can play it on this particular instrument i feel like a lot of kids are like oh shoot i didn't pick the guitar <laughs> you know do you think I could switch to electric guitar now? <laughs> and one student a couple of years ago, and he's like, well, you know, whatever music he'd been listening to. And then I'm like, well, I've got an electric violin. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of opened, you know, he opened his eyes and he's like, could I see it? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Just so be really inclusive. Yeah, that they can yeah. do the same thing to be able to learn their tunes. I have. I have a lot of little girls who are totally enamored by Taylor Swift. And, <laughs> nice. you know, I have to say her tunes are really perfect for young fiddlers to work on. I mean, nice. she's got good, solid chord progressions that happen over and over and over again in her tunes. And so they get to vary their voicings or their solos or their parts. So, um, so do you, like, put yeah, on the – do you, like, put on some of her music and then – you guys figure out different ways for them to to back to back up those tracks, or or how do you how do you yeah. present that? Yeah, cool. Well, so most of the time the kids will bring it in. I don't necessarily say, "All right, now it's time to work on this pop tune." <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I mostly would say, "Okay, now it's time to learn this Tim O'Brien song." <laughs> but, um, but I have, but you know, it's like, okay, we're working on this classical repertoire, and yeah. we're working on piece and what do you want to work on I've, I'm telling you two-thirds of what you need to do so what is what is it that you're interested in that I'm not mentioning yeah and so somebody mm -hmm. will say oh I'm listening to Mumford and Sons or oh I'm listening to Taylor Swift and it's, it's we're really actually very fortunate that the pop scene right now um, is lending itself to the acoustic world it it's true may not necessarily be um, a real banjo that Taylor Swift is playing, but at least it looks like a banjo. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have a lot of students who are picking up the banjo. And um, so that kind of stuff I think is really cool. We're in a good moment right now as far as pop culture and uh, the fiddle studio scene. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, there does seem to have been something that kind of shifted a few years back where suddenly it's like everything's kind of meshing you know, and, and all these pop people are bringing in more, you know, more strings or more just like acoustic sound rather than kind of electric, you know, electrified yeah. sound. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's, that totally makes sense. It's, and It's really great. And it's great for the kids socially, too, because um, they're hearing things. They're hearing music that has their instrument in it. 
So it's not always trying to figure out, well, how do I fit the violin into right. something that right. I, I'm not hearing. Um, so socially, the kids, my, a lot of my students are in little bands are, mm-hmm. or are playing school um, convocations or ceremonies um, and playing with other people. Um, playing with their friends, which I think is also key to maintaining um, a continuing love of their instrument and mm-hmm. always playing, regardless of whether or not they're playing professionally, but always continuing to play music. But as far as how we would present a pop tune in the studio, usually a kid is bringing something into me, and I'll listen to it, and we'll talk about what the goals are, whether or not they just want to play along with the track, or whether or not they say, I want to play this song at a coffee house, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be me. So how do we make it with solo fiddle and mm-hmm. this song? Um, what... Uh, one thing that we did, Taylor Swift had a I'll Never Grow Up, and there was just basically an arpeggiated guitar thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, we figured out uh, an entire pizzicato version on the fiddle. Oh, that um, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, with different different rhythms for strumming and different voicings. And so the girl was able to back herself up completely um, with her fiddle. Other so was she singing? Like, she was... She was, she singing was singing the part? Yeah. Okay, got it. She was singing the part and then pl- and backing herself up on the fiddle without the bow. Um, right. She can, you know, but just because it worked well with that song. But then there are other songs where people are like, okay, I want to learn how to play this with the band. I want to play a fiddle solo. I'm not interested in singing it. I just want to play this with my friends. So mm-hmm. how do I how do I do this? So it's in different contexts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. But, um, you so- know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I mean, for me, when that kind of thing has happened, it's, it's just nice to kind of get like that, that breath of fresh air almost, you know, I mean, like mm-hmm. really, it kind of keeps me on my toes. It's like, okay, well, let's see, can we do this? How can we do this? <laughs> right. You know, and then it empowers Definitely. them because they feel like they're really connected to what's going on in their progress. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's really cool to hear that you're doing that. That sounds like Thank a lot of you. fun. <laughs> well, so it allows mm-hmm. the students to see that everybody can continue to learn. I really don't want them to think that I'm the teacher and so I know everything. I mean, there are lots of times where I'm saying I have no idea what what's going on there. We're going to have to research this. I'm going to yeah. have to practice this. Or, yeah. um, you know, I have some kid come in and say, I want to start rapping with the violin. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to rap. I really don't <laughs> listen to rap. So you're going to have to give me a playlist so I can listen to this and think about some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Gosh, yeah, to, yeah. Show them, to show them that um, the, the process of learning and becoming a musician is never over. And the, it's a complete frontier out there as far as, how we can present this instrument in any style um, is, I think, very important for them to see their their mentors and their teachers. Yeah, and so, to keep, yeah, to keep that motivation going, and um, especially you know when you're when you're starting kids off, you know, five, six, seven, and then you know by the time they're teenagers, it's like either they've really fallen in love, or you know maybe maybe it's not quite right for them, but but showing them that you really could fit this instrument into any genre 
you know, <laughs> some it's going to be more obvious than others, obviously, because the road is, is better paved, but, right. um, but you know, you could really just take it anywhere. And isn't that an amazing thing? You know, you could really just learn with it for the rest of your life and you're never going to be bored if you, if you keep trying, you know, keep trying different mm -hmm. things and stuff. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's all really exciting and, and it's really exciting for me to just see, I mean, kind of in the course of, uh, you know, growing up playing violin and, you know, coming from a classical background and, and then starting to see people kind of branching out and, and now it, it feels like kind of those two worlds are coming a little bit closer together all the time. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's just opening up and just, you know, this really broad new, new exciting place. <laughs> it is. It's really yeah. making it be more, more about the music. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, yeah, it's nice. And so what I need to figure out, my my big side project that's been on the back burner for a long time is that uh, I need to figure out how to get this into a book, our conversation, <laughs> yeah. how, to, how to make it more accessible for teachers who um, may not know where to start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also for students who maybe go to a fiddle camp or go to some kind of summer camp and are exposed to this kind of thing and then go home and it's not in their studio or it's not right. in their school. So how do they continue to get jazz and juiced up like they do in their summer program um, during the year and don't lose that momentum and that excitement? So yeah. um, that's, that's my big project um, as far as the education piece, figuring out how to share what um, – is going on in my little studio in Scarborough, Maine, with the mm -hmm. with the whole world. <laughs> so you know, I know that there are some some teachers that listen to the podcast. What advice might you have for a teacher, you know, in just trying to keep students engaged and practicing and enthusiastic about what they're doing? Hmm. Well, I, I would I would suggest a couple things. I would suggest trying to make practice practicing as interactive as possible. I think that in this day of age, kids are constantly having an interactive thing, regardless of whether or not they're interacting with their cell phone or the television or <laughs> yeah. Facebook. I mean, like, there's just so much coming at them. So to try to make their practicing as interactive as possible, I definitely promote um, the use of the software program Amazing Slowdowner. Oh, I haven't uh, heard about that. Oh, my goodness. It is incredible. Wow, and, and that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, if you go to um, ronimusic.com, that's R-O-N-I music.com, okay. um, you, you can download it either onto your PC or Mac or your iPhone or your iPad. Nice. Um, and it is an incredible piece of software because um, you can loop sections so you're, you're hands-free, and you don't have to, some, you know, sometimes when you're working on something, you start the track, and it starts already without you, right. and your hands going or something like that, or you've done it, you've, oh, I couldn't really figure out exactly what that fourth note was, so I have to set, bring it back. You can loop it at any starting, starting point and stopping point. Nice. Um, you can slow things down, you can speed it up, you can change the pitch, um, it's just really incredible, and so I have my students use that um, regardless of what style of music they're working on. 
Um, so they don't feel like they're necessarily always practicing alone. There's definitely a time and place in every practice session for them to hear solely themselves. Yeah. But, um, you know, practicing with a metronome is not always something that I can convince my students to do. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, <laughs> that's a hard one to sell. However, right, it is really a hard one to sell. And, and there, every, there, there comes a point in, in every um, musician's life where they're really serious that they do begin to love the metronome. However, I think if they're going to be working on their time, it's really great for them to be playing with musicians who already have great time. And there's yeah. so many re- wonderful recordings out there, or I'll make a practice track, um, or I'll record the piano part to a concerto, or you know whatever it is that we're working on. If they can practice a section over and over and over again with other musicians, it's, I mean, that's the point of playing music. But it's not taking up rehearsal time or lesson time for yeah. them to hear that other part. So I really, really recommend Slow Downer. Um, and practicing with drones, that's, uh, that's a really great thing. Daryl has this um, awesome drone CD, or you can buy them track by track on his uh, website, DarylAnger.com. Yeah, I've seen that. So I haven't checked it out, though. What, what exactly is that? What is that like? It's about six minutes of okay. um, each. Tw- you have twelve tones on the CD, and it's six minutes. Just six minutes of each tone, except it's it's like a pillow. It's the it's the lots of different octaves, and it has the fifth as okay. well. Okay. And so, I mean, it's great for practicing improvising. It's great for practicing scales or arpeggios. Um, it's 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 a wonderful thing to just have that drone on and to be able to practice that intonation. So awesome! That sounds um, really yeah, especially for intonation. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend those two things for the practicing part of it. And then I really feel that a lot of times we lose young musicians because um, there isn't a social component mm-hmm. to their musical education. And when you think of their sports teams, they're having to practice every day or every other day if you're in middle school with that team and sometimes on the weekend for games too. And so there's a, there's a really compelling um, draw to playing on an athletic team because you're getting to be with your friends every day. Right. Even if you love the sport or not, it's a social, it's a social thing. And um, for that age group, Social standing is so important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, it's really important to build a community for those kids to have peers. Um, and I shouldn't say even just kids. I mean, I have adult peer groups in my studio as well. Um, but it seems to me that if a, a, an adult is taking lessons, it's their choice. So they don't necessarily need um, as much uh, prodding as, as a young student might. Yeah. Um, so it still be helpful, have, though, you know, just to definitely. have. And, you know, just to have people to share with. And, you know, it's, I mean, exactly. it's different. I think especially as an adult coming to lessons where, I mean, I, you know, I've had a lot of adults that were older than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, for them coming and, like, you know, them maybe having this feeling like, oh, well, she's the expert or whatever, you know, it's like it can create kind of this weird 
this weird thing or you know I have had adult students where it's like you know let's let's you know let's get a couple of you guys together let's let's do this and there's like this hesitancy you know like oh but I'm not good enough yet and you know this sort of things that that I don't see as much with kids until you know maybe they get older and then there's more of that that um desire to be good and all of that but yeah socializing Mm -hmm. is so important and yeah so if that that means you know playing in ensembles or a jam group I Tuesday nights is jam group at my house and so cool. depending on age group you're in or ability group there's always a jam class happening um, and then we take other social outings we go out and see concerts together nice. and not the entire studio every time you know everybody has a different schedule but if there's a concert that's coming through town that I think is really very valuable for everybody to see I'll let the studio know in our newsletter and we all we go and it's it's a really fun time for the kids to see each other and to hear good music um and we arrange carpools to band rehearsals and you you would be amazed at how important carpool is to children (laughs) (laughs) i forget but you know to have that time in the car where they're just getting to hang out and talk but they're on their way to something musical is a really crucial time. So, sounds great. Um, yeah, finding an interactive way of practicing and making sure that um, music is social would, would be my tips to teachers. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Those are all really, really awesome tips. And um, yeah, that amazing slow downer just sounds fabulous. <laughs> um, it really is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's, there's different. Um, like little, you know, external handheld things that, that I've seen in the past. And, um, but yeah, it's something that you can just download. You can have right there. Um, so I'll definitely go check that out. That's yeah. Really it's, cool. It completely changed my, my practicing. So. Yeah. Well, and just, and you know, you're, you're so right. Just, it's like, I think especially young children, you know, it's like I've had parents and they're like, I just don't understand why the six year old isn't willing to practice for half an hour by themselves. Like, Really? <laughs> that just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they're just, they're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's, um, I'm curious what these days, what's your personal practicing looking like? Like, how do you keep yourself engaged and, and what do you focus on? Mm. Well, um, I am really loving the fact that I have practice time again. I was actually practicing this morning, and it just felt so wonderful. Um, but I have to admit, um, my practicing for the past year has not really been uh, personal. Mm-hmm. It's been um, whatever I'm going to be performing or mm-hmm. whatever my students are going to be working on that I may need to practice. So um, very preparatory very preparatory practicing um, because of my busy schedule. And that is um, not a fun way to practice, to not have any time for um, creative or uh, creativity or just seeing what's next. So for me right now, um, I am trying to become a better bluegrass musician. Mm -hmm. I would say that I am primarily an old-time fiddler. Um, who knows a little bit about bluegrass just enough to fake it and not really like <laughs> what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so um, I'm 
dig, digging into bluegrass material and repertoire. And um, my new project, uh, my new performing project is going to uh, be with my boyfriend, who I'm very excited about. Um, cool. Because on the road, I often don't get to see him very much. So we figured out that uh, maybe if we started touring together a little <laughs> bit more often, <laughs> we would see each other. Um, and what is so he playing? He um, is an amazing singer, and he also plays guitar. Nice. Um, so the interesting thing for us, he comes from the bluegrass tradition. Okay. And as I said, I am not very happy with my bluegrass playing. So it's a, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good uh, thing for me to work on. But also I'm finding that the challenge for me is playing with the guitar again. After a whole year of not playing sure. with a chordal instrument, um, it's just so surprising to me. And and really, all of my band experiences um, have almost always had another bowed player, uh-huh. at least one, um, maybe two bowed, bowed players. So um, I've always been in a backup role, or mm-hmm. at, at least when I'm not playing the tune, um, I have been playing bass lines or making yeah. sure that those chords are presented um, and are present there. And it's so funny to start playing with the guitarist again and be like, oh, right, I get to be a fiddler. <laughs> I don't have to play that stuff. Um, That's so and interesting. For- and, and, yeah, it, it, that actually, um, just listening to your CD, it's like it's just there's so much going on. You know, you have a lot of, like, really <laughs> cool players doing their thing, you know, and it's like kind of this trade-off and, um, you know, really kind of organic. And, and I, I've enjoyed listening to it just to kind of hear everyone's different, like, you know, you can kind of tell like these individual voices and styles that are coming out a little bit, even in just one piece. But, um, you know, how much of the time, especially like in, you know, like this soloistic classical sense or something, you know, it's like, it's all about the violin and, and just like the violin doing its thing and everyone else just backs them up. But it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, having spent so much time this last year or so uh, being the backup person. Right. And <laughs> you know? honestly, thinking about it, having you say that, it's really, it's really been almost my entire performing career hmm. has been a, a, almost as a second fiddler mm-hmm. um, because when I got my start with Republic of Strings, mm-hmm. Daryl was the soloist. And, sure. and one of the reasons why he hired me was because I loved playing backup. <laughs> and he was like, great, I can play solos, and you can play a really solid foundation for me to take solos over. And um, so to do that for many years, and then the duo between Brittany and I um, – I would I would take solos, but the thing, without the guitar w- yeah. being there, I mean, your the backup style is just completely different. Yeah. Um, when you're playing with a guitar without a guitar. Yeah. So, uh, really, it's just I I have never been um, in the situation that I'm in now. Um, I I don't want to say I've never been in a band where I'm the only fiddler because it's not true. I was in a band there. I was the only fiddler, Crow Molly. Um, with uh, San Francisco guitarist Scott Nygaard, who mm. is unbelievably, um, hands down, one of the, the best flat-picking guitarists out there. Um, and so that was a very interesting band to be in. Um, but that was so many years ago yeah. that it's been, um, that I'm, I'm finding it to be a, 
almost a new experience again. So um, we're working on, so Ben um, Habermacki is my boyfriend, and he, the two of us are working on finding new material that works for just fiddling guitar. Um, cool. And yeah. So and that, mostly bluegrass? Bluegrass, and actually I heard a term today um, from a friend on Facebook that was calling um, music that he works on blurgrass. Huh. I love that term because <laughs> it is sort of bluegrass, it, but kind of blurry. Yeah, you're right, exactly. It's music that stems from that tradition, but it, you know, if you if you study that tradition and you know enough about that tradition, you know that hardcore bluegrass musicians or fans would say that's not bluegrass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so something kind of like bluegrass, I would say. Well, that sounds really exciting. Do you have any idea when this is gonna? you know, when you're going to get out there and start performing together? Um, I would say that probably in the next calendar year. Um, okay. I I am really, really enjoying. Uh, last weekend was my first weekend home in months and months and months, yeah. and it was, it was incredible. And so I'm working, I mean, I'm enjoying the time to practice and get things where I want them to be before I would perform them as opposed to, oh, oh there's a gig, we're just going to do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I also have, I, in the wintertime, I produce these uh, big wintertime shows. They're called Yulegrass. And um, it's not necessarily a Christmas show, but it's wintertime holiday music. Mm-hmm. And those are coming up in December. And uh, so I have a lot of arranging to do for those, uh, coming up with the material and making sure that the charts are made and that kind of stuff before rehearsal happens. Um, so that'll be another fall project. And then, yeah, when 2013 comes around, um, I will be on the road. Again, I have some, I have a cool project um, performing um, a concert in Ireland for the BBC. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, which will be a music video type of thing. Um, and, uh, so I have some out of the country things and, um, yeah, we'll be working on getting some gigs and promoting the new duo. That's super exciting. I wish you guys all the best and, um, I'll definitely keep, keep my eyes out and see what you're up to. So are you going to be singing, both of you are going to be singing together too? Yeah, definitely. Um, Stan is such a great vocalist. Every time I sing with him, I feel like I get better. And it's funny, I was listening to my CD today because I knew I'd be talking with you and um, hearing it. You know, when we always when we listen back to things that we've done in years past, there's always that element of like, oh, wow, I did that. And then there are also <laughs> just as many moments where you're like, oh, I did that. You have a really um, with my voice. Yeah, we'll be singing and fiddling and banjoing. So. That sounds really exciting. You, um, yeah, your voice. I, the word that that kind of was coming to me was like like there's this vintage quality. Um, oh, so thank you. you know, um, and actually it comes through in your fiddle playing too. But um, yeah, there's there's sort of this uh, there's this really nice delicacy which. 
um, you know, I, I just think is really sweet. It's super sweet Aww. to listen to. And, um, you know, and, and it, how it comes through in the, the fiddle playing for me is, you know, just, just a really nice way that, you know, you kind of like swell into some of the notes and, um, you know, I can kind of hear that, you know, your, your background in, in doing more backup type parts, you know, that kind of comes mm-hmm. through in this kind of pulsing rhythmic way, which, um, is also just really pleasing to listen to. So, Thank um, you. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like vintage. There's something, you know, I don't know, almost like, like a, like a Southern bell sort of a, a vibe or something. <laughs> well, I may have to use that, Laurel. You, <laughs> you may, may. You may take it and run new, with it. <laughs> I have my new bio when it gets updated. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Definitely. So um, just uh, just to kind of wrap up here, um, you know, you mentioned uh, just how when you were in college, your, your professors said, you know, you have to start teaching and that's how you're going to improve. What... Mm-hmm. Um, what has teaching taught you about either yourself or your playing or both? Oh, that's a great question. Um, teaching has taught me patience. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most important thing. Patience with myself and uh, patience for students. Um, I... I think so. That's also taught me to not be judgmental, which I think in it's kind of the opposite of what a teacher almost needs to be. You know, a teacher mm-hmm. needs to be critical, um, and a student is coming to you and trusting you for your opinion, mm-hmm. and that's an honor and a responsibility. And in that same breath to allow a safety net for that student to have faith for them to hear the criticism but yet not be judgmental and know that every student has their own path and uh, your priorities are not necessarily um, the student's priority. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't try to create a whole bunch of music prodigies in my studio, um, and that may sound like we don't have a high level or a high standard, which is exactly the opposite. I, I hold my students to an incredibly high standard, um, but the goal is to make sure that they play and that mm-hmm. they want to play for their entire life. Um, and ultimately, every year, I have had at least one student graduate from high school and go on to be a musician, which is Mm. really wonderful. Um, But I think a big part of that is not judging each person's path. It may not be the same way that you've done things, but I think as long as the the student owns their own path, it's really important um, to them and to you to let let them have their own space. Um, and as far as the technical thing, the things that I've learned, um, I've learned how to have better bow control because I'm mm-hmm. teaching my students how to have great tone. Um, yeah. I've learned 
had a shift in tune <laughs> <laughs> because of all the different ways I've had to teach my students. How to yep. um, but um, I think another really more almost down-to-earth and yet esoteric form of teaching mm -hmm. is reminding each student of all the elements of music and to not only focus on one one thing, um, we get so bogged down with are we playing the right notes or are we in mm -hmm. tune or, mm -hmm. um, but to know melody and harmony and rhythm and how the three can't go without each other. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And to also be aware of tone and phrasing and dynamic um, so it can be an emotional experience. I, the, the thing that I repeatedly tell my students is the reason why we do this, the reason why we put ourselves through all the, the trials mm -hmm. and tribulations <laughs> of learning an instrument are because we love the sound that this instrument makes and we love the feeling that we get when we make that sound. Hmm. And absolutely no one in the world can take that away from you. It's an incredible gift that you have hmm. to be able to express yourself with that sound. And so to learn that over and over again, every time I remind a student of that has been a great lesson for me because I'm not above down days or feeling like, <laughs> wow, I must be the worst fiddler on the planet. How can I not do that? You know, I, I have those days. Sure. But then to have a student arrive at my doorstep and remind them, you know, say those words and hear them myself and say, okay, yeah, it's true. This mm. is an incredible gift that I have my parents to thank for. And I have myself to thank for that I continued through all of those trials and tribulations because of the fact that I do love the sound that the instrument makes and I love the feeling that I get when I play this instrument. Mm. So that's what teaching has taught me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. That's a <laughs> really welcome, Laura. A sweet a sweet thought to end on and it's so true <laughs> and just, you know, keeping that in perspective when you know, all that technique stuff comes up or <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's like it's so important and uh, and not to get off track from really that initial draw to this instrument. And um, yeah, it is a gift. And it's been just a pleasure talking with you today. And thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your, you know, your knowledge and uh, your story. Uh, well, thank you, Laurel. And thank you for sharing the podcast with everybody. And I've been yeah. enjoying seeing your page on Facebook and <laughs> your website and uh, you're reading your articles in Strings Magazine for these years. It's been really wonderful. So thank you every, for everything that you're doing to contribute to making this whole string world um, alive and healthy and vibrant. Definitely. Yeah, we're all doing our part and it's, uh, it's nice. It's a nice community that I think is kind of starting to flesh itself out here. <laughs> It is. Lots it of, is. you know, lots of people thinking on the same page, which, which is really encouraging to me. It is. It's yeah. a global community. It's good. So how can people find you? Um, you can find me on my website, which is laurenryu.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-R-I-O-U-X.com. And there are some free online lessons 
uh, with me on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which yes. is Jam with Lauren. So if you go to youtube.com slash Jam with Lauren, you can find tons of lessons all broken up into little pieces. And then at the end, there's a practice track where you can jam along with me. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I'm on Facebook, Facebook slash uh, Lauren Reed Music. Right on. Awesome. Yeah. And if people, have, um, if people have questions or maybe they're, they're in your area, they want to come and take some lessons, are you, are you open to that? Absolutely. Always contact me. And there's a great contact form on my website, and I come right to my inbox, and I can email you promptly. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Have a great day. You too. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that and we're taking notes or we'll listen over again and catch all those goodies. You know, it's one thing to listen and, and think, yeah, that's an awesome idea. I should try that or I should try that with my students. But it's really another thing to actually apply it. So if anything, I hope you take one of these ideas and give it, give it a whirl and see what happens. I mean, we had the amazing slow downer software and kind of this idea of playing along with with good musicians, even if, it, if it's just a recording, but how beneficial that can be, particularly for younger students where, you know, playing along with the metronome, it's just, it's not really, it's not going to happen. It's going to be very intimidating. Whereas playing along with a band or, you know, an orchestra in their, in the comfort of their own bedroom is going to be very accessible. We also had those drone tracks from Daryl Anger. That kind of reminds me of the tampura of the uh, Eastern Indian musical tradition. And uh, I can definitely see how that would be excellent for gaining intonation skills and improvising skills, as Lauren mentioned. So definitely check that out. And check out Lauren at her website. And she's on Facebook and Twitter and all those places as well. We will be ending the podcast today with a track from Lauren's CD, All the Brighter. The track is a medley of two tunes. The first, a traditional tune called Piney Woods. The second, one that Lauren wrote called House on Hadley. And you can find that album on iTunes. And it features several really awesome performers besides Lauren, including Daryl Anger, Brittany Hawes, and, and a few others. So, um, so definitely go and, and check out those tracks if you like what you hear. So again, I'm Laurel Thompson. My website is laurelthompson.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N. I've been enjoying connecting with people on Facebook recently. My Facebook page is Laurel Thompson Music. And if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, show ideas, whatnot, you can go ahead and send me a message there or post to my wall. And you can also send me an email if you like at laurel at laurelthompson.com. Just want to thank you all for listening and for supporting me and the podcast and my journey here. And until next time, happy practicing. <laughs>